I want to open your Bibles this morning also to uh, John chapter 14. And again, as we're talking about um, trying to gather your thoughts, I have a lot of different thoughts, and I've been praying, and you can pray along with me this morning that uh, God would make sense of them this morning. It's really been a challenging time putting this, this message together. So nonetheless, it's John chapter 14, verses 7 through 15. It's an excellent, excellent paragraph that we have before us this morning. As we look into it here, may God uh, give us clearance or clarity on it. I mean, God's inspired and errant word reads, starting at verse 7, If you had known me, Jesus speaking to the disciples, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on you know him and have seen him. And Philip said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative. But the Father abiding in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Father, we just ask a blessing upon the reading of your word this morning. And Lord, I do pray that you would gather our thoughts. Father, that you would take over our minds, that you would just... Um, Put some of those things that want to distract us out of our minds this morning and, and that we would hone in on your word. And Father, as I, um, as I think about my own mind and my thoughts that are there, Father, would you bring clarity to it? Would you organize my thoughts in a way uh, that brings you honor and glory? I pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. So let's be real. I've titled this, Let's Be Real. What's real and what isn't real? It can be hard to know at times. All across social media platforms, pictures are, are posted to make the poster appear in the best possible light. Makes sense. But does cause you to ask, what's real and what's staged? Watch the news and you are left wondering if, if it's all fake news. YouTube platforms, <laughs> what a platform that is. All kinds of things can be found there, and much of the content causes a sane person to shake their head and proclaim, come on, let's be real. I don't know what's real and what's not. It is a good question. We must always be asking ourselves when consuming the aforementioned content. But all that stuff, it's not our concern today. What our concern is 
today and all days is God's Word. What does the Bible say? And let's be real. The Bible also comes with interpreting challenges, like the text that is before us here this morning. So let's be real. We can know Jesus without really knowing Jesus. Verses 7 through 9. We can know Jesus without really knowing Jesus, and I believe that's exactly what is before us here today and what has led Philip to ask the question that he's asked. Lord, show us the Father. Here they were for three years. They were eating together. They were sleeping together. They were doing ministry together. They were spending every waking and sleeping hours together. And yet they said, Jesus, show us the Father. And over and over and over again, Jesus said that if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. The works that I do, the signs as John calls them, miracles that elsewhere that are called, all these things are because of Jesus' divinity. And yet, over and over, they weren't quite clear. And here again, as we think of this final evening with the guys Um, They were again asking Jesus, Jesus, show us the Father. Jesus has said also elsewhere, speaking of show us the Father, Jesus has said elsewhere also, just one example of it. So they were saying to him, this is the self-righteous religious people, the the Jewish people, uh, that sect, a particular group of the Jewish people. uh, they, They were saying to Jesus, where is your Father? And Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my Father. If you know me, you would know my Father also. Jesus, over and over and over again, made it clear so many times that if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Over and over and over, Jesus is making a claim for his divinity, for his deity. Jesus makes it clear. And in Colossians chapter 1, if we get outside the Gospels for a minute, and we look at Colossians chapter 1, He is the image of the invisible God. Philippians, He existed in the form of God. Hebrews, He is the radiance of His glory, the exact representation of His nature. Jesus is absolutely and most definitely making the claim that if you have seen me, if you have seen Jesus, you have seen the Father. Verse 7 also says here that from now on, what are we supposed to make of this? If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. What is Jesus talking about from now on? Well, after this night and the events that will take place in the next few days, and after giving the Holy Spirit, See, that had not yet been given, and that's why he's saying from now on, because now after Jesus' ascension, the Holy Spirit will be given, that the whole outlook, their whole outlook, their whole perspective will change. They will know Jesus, and they will know the Father as never before, as never before. So let's be real. (laughs) You can know Jesus without really knowing Jesus. And I wonder sometimes about us, right? I mean, let's just bring this forward to 2021. Aren't you glad that we can say 2021 and no longer 2020? But let's bring it forward to today. 
Can we know Jesus? Or do we just know about Jesus, right? You've heard it all before. You've been challenged before by people such as myself. It's like, do you really know Jesus? We all have our, uh, maybe some of our little hang-ups when it comes to our relationship with Jesus, on how we know Jesus. I myself like to study. I like to read. Can't make sense of half of it, but I like to study. I like to read. I like to dig into the text. I like to dig into other people's writings. I like to do the best that I can within the original languages. I like to do all that stuff, and in that, I can get really, really excited. But do I know Jesus? But do I know Jesus? Some are all about the experience and about the feelings and want to have these warm and fuzzies through some experiential event or something. But do you really know Jesus? Do you really know Jesus? And that's, I guess, what I'm challenging you with here this morning. Here these fellows were walking with Jesus. They were talking with Jesus. They seen the things Jesus done. And yet they say, hey, Jesus, show us the Father. Well, let's also be real. That's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, hey, don't take my word for it. See the works that I do. Look, if you're not going to believe me, then believe the works that I do. Elsewhere also so far, we have seen Jesus constantly pointing to the works where his authority comes from. The very works I do testify about me, he says. Believe the works that I do. Those are two statements that he makes throughout the Gospel of John and elsewhere, but our focus is on the Gospel of John. All the way through the Gospel of John, he makes those claims. Here, interestingly enough, unlike signs elsewhere that, that our author of the, of the Gospel of John writes, he writes signs. Here he's using works. Works, yes, Jesus is certainly saying, look at the signs, look at the miracles that I do. But that's not necessarily the word that is being used here, though it certainly isn't less than the miracles that Jesus done. But it's in a greater sense. It's the same thing that you and I have. Some of you like to joke that I only work one day a week. This is my task. This is my work. And I correct you and say, no, really, it's only half a day. But nonetheless, right? So the, the, what do we do? These are our deeds. These are the tasks that we do. And this is the works that Jesus is speaking of. These are the things that I've been tasked with, that I've been given to do. This is the work that I do, Jesus says. It's just that what that which one normally does. It's not the same as miracles, though Jesus is certainly including miracles in the works that he actually does. But I think this is going to be important as we continue on this morning to get this sense of works and not just stop with and automatically jump to thinking that these works is, is miracles. See, in, in Mark... It says that it is like a man. When Jesus gives a parable in Mark, he says, it is like a man gone away on a journey who upon leaving his home and putting his slaves in charge, assigning to each one of them his own task to do. That's, that's the sense that, that Jesus wants us to understand when he's speaking of works here this morning. It's the task. What are the tasks of Jesus? Well, we can look at the tasks of Jesus up to this point. He's turned water into wine. It's a task he's done. It's the miracle of multiplication, the task of multiplication, where he, he took a couple of fish, he took a couple of loaves of bread, and he multiplied them into, into a, 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 to, to feed 5,000 plus people. And he raised Lazarus from the dead. All these are certainly tasks 
that Jesus has done, but they shouldn't limit us to thinking of just those in and of themselves. And so, let's be real, Jesus says, you don't need to accept my word. I'm not asking you just to accept my word, but look at the works that I do. They'll speak for themselves. They'll speak on my, on my behalf this morning. And that's what Jesus is telling them here. And then also, as we continue to move through this text this morning, verses 12 through 14, it says, let's be real, or I say, let's be real, about greater works, about greater works. I want to put these verses before you, and I want to spend a little bit of time on these right here this morning, because I'm, I'm sure uh, these, this, these are a couple of verses you're, you're quite familiar with. And, and so again, I want to set them before you. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that, right, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If, conditional clause, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. I mean, those are verses that we're, we're quite familiar with. And so as we, before we head into those here, we, we must first understand that verses 12 to 14, they're not in a vacuum, right? They do not stand alone. They are part of the greater narrative of the inspired scriptures. And we must also acknowledge that much harm has been done by misusing these particular scriptures here, these particular verses here that are before us, right? It's kind of like the little coffee mug or something that I've seen one time, and it said, I can do all things through a verse taken out of context. We're all guilty of that from time to time, and so we certainly want to try our best to keep this within context. And so a few things that we must take into consideration as we look at these verses and trying to be real about what they actually mean for you and I and that is, like, who is Jesus addressing, right? Who is, it's just simple. It's right. It's just normal questions, right? So who is Jesus addressing in these verses? How can we or they do greater works than Jesus, right? As you study the Scriptures and you write yourself questions, right, these are just normal questions you would write down. And then are works and miracles the same thing? Because there are two different words that are being used for it. So, so those are things that we need to hone in because we all come to a text with biases in tow. But if we're looking at this a little bit closer, we want to look at here again, truly, truly. Of course, Jesus starts out making his grand statement. He really wants to get their attention and say, truly, truly, I say to you, right? He who believes in me. So back to verse 12 and the greater works and why they are done. He says, because I go to the Father. So because I go to the Father, well, what are we supposed to make of that? Of course, going to the Father, Jesus automatically expects them to understand. Therefore, I go to the Father, then the Holy Spirit will be given. Like as he said, he said, this he spoke of the Spirit earlier on in John. When those who believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus had not yet died. Jesus had not yet risen. Jesus had not yet ascended and been glorified to the right hand of the Father. And at that time is when the Spirit will be poured out upon the earth. And elsewhere, he said that, you know, the Helper will come to you, but if I go, 
I will send him. So I know you're sad that I'm going to leave, but really, guys, listen, I'm going to go, and we'll get into the Trinity a little bit next week, I think. But, but so, so that I'm going to go, and I know you're sad about that, but you really should be glad about that, because when I go, the Holy Spirit will come, and I will give you the Holy Spirit. Here he calls him the helper. And John, in his sermon, after the Holy Spirit had been given, I mean, Peter, in the second chapter of Acts, he says that, therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God, having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you both see and hear. And so that's what Jesus is saying here in verse 12. They just don't fully understand it yet because they haven't experienced it. But if you know me, you know the Father, know him who sent me. From now on, you will know him. That's going to be after that Holy Spirit, after the Holy Spirit has been given. So before Christ's death and ascension, the Holy Spirit had not yet been given. That wall of separation was still there, right? There was that, there was that separation. You, had to, you needed to go to Jesus, to God. And after the Holy Spirit has come and living within us, we no longer have to have that person who intervenes on our behalf directly in front of us. So after the Holy Spirit was given, then the Gentiles too could come to Christ. So because the Holy Spirit had been given, okay, some would like to say, right? And so here's where we get into a few little, a little bit of the weeds. So, you know, because the Holy Spirit has been given, which it has now been given after Acts, after Jesus ascended, so some would like to look at these verses and we need to wrestle with them, right? So whatever you ask in my name, Jesus says. I mean, this is pretty straightforward. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. Okay, makes sense to me. Um, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And Jesus, verse 14, he's just restating what he already said. And just another way of saying it, he says in verse 14, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So twice Jesus is, is making this claim, whatever you ask, that I will do. Ask me anything, and I will do it. And I will do it. So, what are we supposed to make of that? I don't know about you, but I wish I'd had some GameStop stock last week or just give me a million dollars, right? Can I ask for a million dollars? Why not? Right? What if I need another fix or another drink? Can I ask for that? <laughs> no, I start with ridiculous, right? Obviously. So that we can all agree the whatever and the anything has qualifiers, right? I mean, we obviously understand that, okay, I've said a few ridiculous things so that we can understand Okay, there are some qualifiers that come with this, this asking, and that's, and you already know that, but that's what we need to hone in just on, on a little bit. And so, the so that of verse 13, that is the point. So I want you to look back at verse 13. It says, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. The so that is the whole reason, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. This is the point, right? This is the point. Now, I want to, um, I want to get a little more sensible this morning, um, and I want to flip back um, to Mark, Mark chapter 10. 
in Mark chapter 10, uh, as they were heading into this night, looking at Mark's account of this evening. Um, looking at the account of this, this evening, uh, because, because see, see, Jesus says it so that the Father is glorified. And I don't know about you, but, but typically when I'm asking the Father for anything or for something, it usually directly impacts me, of course, right? I mean, right? We're all there. And it's usually me that maybe being, being the beneficiary of, of what has been given or, or me getting the glory, whatever it may be, right? But I, I want you to see how we as human beings function. And so here we are going up to Jerusalem on this very night. And Jesus is pouring forth His heart. And Jesus is telling them that they're going to mock me. They're going to spit on me. They're going to kill me. He's telling that to the fellas. And, and in the very, as soon as Jesus is done speaking, James and John, the two sons of Zebedee, they came up to Jesus saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Right? Okay. Jesus already said he would do that. So we'll give you whatever you ask of you. Verse 36, and he said to them, what do you want me to do? What do you want? And they said to him, verse 37, grant that we may sit, one on your right and one on your left, in glory. That's what they asked for. Right after Jesus got done saying, look guys, we're going to Jerusalem. They're going to mock me. They're going to spit on me. They're going to kill me. Did they? Were they not listening? I mean, they had an attempt attention problem just like I have, I guess. Were they not listening? But Jesus said to them, <laughs> you do not know what you are asking. You do not know what you are asking. <laughs> Jesus said many true words. All Jesus said was true, I guess, but wow. You do not know what you are asking. Are you able? Are you able, James and John, to drink the cup that I drink? Or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized. And they said to him, we are. Were they just listening? We are. And Jesus said to them, the cup I drink, you shall drink. And the baptism shall be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But. To sit on my right or sit on my left, Jesus says, that's not for me to give. That's not for me to give. But it is for those for whom it has been prepared. Hearing this, the ten. I find that interesting, the ten. Right? Because here's James and John, so the ten would also include Judas. I find that interesting. So the ten began to feel indigent, including Judas, with James and John. Calling them to himself, Jesus said to them, listen guys, Jesus says to the, he's, another teaching moment, says, you know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles, they, they just lord it over them. And their great men exercise authority over them. But it is not this way among you. 
But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to serve, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. This is, this is the context that Jesus is teaching them. If you're going to ask me for anything, and whatever you ask, it's this context. It's this context you must keep in mind. See, during the apostolic age, some of these signs that, that Jesus has done, some of these greater things, or at least just as great, how can you do greater things anyways than Jesus if we're if you were just simply thinking of signs and wonders, but signs and wonders were done to advance and to build the church, which had not yet been built. The scriptures were being written as they were living them. And signs and wonders were indeed given to the apostles at that time. And so the scriptures, as we know them, were being written and they're now not fulfilled. And that's what we have here before us. That's, that's the context we must keep everything in. And so in verses 13 and verse 14, where Jesus says, in my, in my name, that's how we ask Jesus for whatever we want. It's not a formula. We can't just tack on in your name at the end of it. I always make it a habit of praying in Jesus' name. Uh, it's just what I do. I end up every prayer, no matter who I'm praying for. I've got one particular couple. I stop in there, and they're not Christian, and, and I talk with them, and can I pray for you? Yes, you can. I always end that way. In Jesus' name. I don't like his name. I don't like to I, It's Jesus' name. But that's not a formula, right? That, that's, not a, that's not a formula, See, we have a warning about those who use it as a formula in Matthew chapter 7, right? Jesus said, many of you will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, we do not prophesy in your name. Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not perform miracles in your name? And Jesus is going to say, oh, I never knew you. I never knew you. That's also part of this context for our verses that are here before us this morning. Also part of the context that we find our verses here with us this morning is the Lord's Prayer, right? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hallowed be your name. I can't even say that word very well. It's just reverence. I had to look it up really quick. It's, it's sacred. It's holy. It's honor. We know that's what it means, but I thought maybe it'd be, it, it, it's sacred. So sacred is your, your name. And so to ask Jesus' name in Jesus' name is to ask in accordance with his character. To ask in Jesus' name means for Jesus' sake, in line with his desire and purposes to bring glory to his Father, to our Father. When we ask in Jesus' name, whatever we ask, he will give us if it brings glory to his Father, if it brings glory to our Father. And just as Jesus told John and Mark, you don't know what you're asking. It can be challenging for us also. And so let's be real about what greater works are. Martin Lloyd-Jones, the great doctor, 
was a medical doctor, a real doctor, and um, he started out as a doctor and became a Christian, accepted Christ, and he was healing all these people or giving them medicine and things like that, and he just would see them back again, and as his words, I don't have them quite memorized, but, but as his words, they were just as heathen now as they were before. He's like, what's the point of this? I'm saving people so they can just keep on sinning. He said what they need is they need a spiritual healing. And he went off to be one of the greatest expositors the world has ever known in the past hundred years for that reason. So which is the greater? Is it the physical healing? I think we all would want that, right? Of course we do. Of course we pray for that. But is that the greater works? I think it would be the spiritual healing that leads to eternal life. No? You want another year on this life? Yeah, I'll take another year. I think we all will, right? We will. Of course we will. But the greater works is that life that leads us for all for all eternity. You know, I find it interesting when we look at Lazarus. I, I like that one song that's kind of popular right now. Lazarus, come forward. Whatever the name of that song is. I forget. Maybe some of you know it. But I love that song. Um, but I also think it's like, you know, that kind of sucks. I mean, it's not good to be Lazarus. I mean, he had to die twice. What's <laughs> up with that? You know, now I say that. I mean, of course we want to live. But I think as we think about greater works, we must understand what greater works is. Well, that brings us to our final Let's Be Real. And let's be real. If you love Jesus, you will keep His commandments. And in verse 15 could have gone with with next week, but next week's already full. So, you know, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So let's be real. If you love Jesus, you will keep His commandments. We do not keep commandments of Jesus to love Jesus, but we keep Jesus' commandments because we love Jesus, right? It's not legalism. I mean, I'm always... Amazed. I mean, I come out of a very legalistic background. You all know that. But um, I'm always amazed as soon as we talk about commandment keeping, covenant keeping, it's so quick that we want to cry foul, right? We want to say, no, 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 that's legalism. Well, yes, it can be, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I absolutely it, it can be. But today's the Super Bowl, right? My wife had to remind me of that last week, or yesterday actually, and this is how bad I am. I actually had to Google it this morning to see who was playing. Um, anyways, a couple old guys, um, but whatever. Uh, if you love football, and you're not going to watch the Super Bowl, right? How does that work? Now, some people maybe not like football. They don't like football at all, possibly, but they certainly may watch the big game, as they call it, Right? So we can say some things. I can uh, tell my wife I, I love her, right? But do I? How does she know I love her? Don't answer that, please. Or maybe you can. It'd be interesting. Um, no, it wouldn't. Maybe. <laughs> we'll talk about it later. Right? I mean, you get, you get it, right? I mean, you understand. We don't have to belabor that. But how can you say you love someone and then go directly against them, right? As Jesus also said, he who loves me 
keeps my commandments. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. We'll see that next week. He who does not love me does not keep my word. Jesus gives us to it both ways. If we love Jesus, we will keep his commandments. Greater works, true conversion leads to obedience. True conversion leads to obedience. You know, there's so many, so many scriptures that I have here for cross-references, but I'm just going to leave them at that because you get the point, right? You know, and I think about as we think about the greater works, as we think about asking in Jesus' name, as we think about some of the different understandings of, of healings and of miracles and things like that, and, and we all want miracles. We all define miracles a little bit differently. You know, some of us want to keep Jesus in the box and say, no, Jesus, you have to do it exactly this way. And others of us, maybe not so much. And I even think of something as silly as, as, as the COVID vaccine. Some want to call it the mark of the beast or something. Well, how do we know how Jesus works? I think it's a miracle that we could have a vaccine so quickly. And so, I mean, I don't want to get off on all that stuff, but you get the point because it's right before us, right? And we wrestle with it. And there's differing ideas here this morning on it. But all I'm saying is, how do we understand greater works? How do we understand how, how Jesus is going to work? And are we going to put him in the box? Or are we going to let Jesus be Jesus, Jesus be God? Aren't we glad when we think about commandment keeping? Aren't we glad that Jesus um, didn't say, yes, Father, I love you. Yes, I understand I could save those people. <laughs> nah, I don't think I'm going to go, right? I'm offering you this morning that um, greater works is that eternal life. The greater works we can offer people is to, to share our faith with them, right? The greater works that we can have for, for people is to, to pray with them when they're sick, right? To bring them a cup of cold water, to bring them clothes, to put a roof over their, their head. But ultimately, the greatest works, and we'll get into that a little bit later as we see the explosion of the church after the ascension of Jesus. But the greater works ultimately is, is the work that Jesus done in each and every life of a sinner, a sinner that is turned into a follower of Jesus. That is indeed greater works. Lord, I, I pray this morning, um, Lord, we certainly don't want to put you in any box at all, and yet we do so often simply because we don't fully understand. Lord, you're God, and you can do whatever you want to do. Father, help us to accept how you want to work in our life. Help us to understand uh, that you know what's best for each and every one of us. And Father, this morning, I, I don't know. Maybe somebody's wrestling with that very question of Jesus, I've prayed. You've not come through. I've asked for this or for that. And it's an understandable ask. But you haven't answered the way that they would like. I pray, Father, that you would answer their heart, answer their mind, answer their questions. Father, that you would reveal yourself to that questioning person. And I pray, Lord, that um, for us who have been down this journey of ups and downs and seeing how you work, 
even when we don't think you are working, I pray that you would continue to give us confidence, to give us courage, oh Lord, in knowing that you know, and we don't have to. I pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen.